we kind of uh, lo lost Suresh, so um, uh, Soren and I have found we have a mutual love of, of wine. So uh, as a special treat to all of you, we're going to try a few wines. Uh, we've got the spittoon of confusion here. Oh, sorry, I've, I've got Suresh calling me. Let me just accept this call. Hello. Robert, where are you? What do you mean, where am I? I'm, I'm, I'm on stage. You were supposed to be on stage uh, for Wait. a FinTech Unplugged. Uh, so I'm doing a wine tasting. Okay, you know what? I'm on we stage. need to do FinTech Unplugged. I'm on my way. Where are you? I, I'm on stage at... Um, where are we? Uh, the, okay, the I'm on hotel. my way. Okay, come on. Suresh, hurry up. This is FinTech Unplugged with Suresh Vajani and me, Robert Courtney. Here he is. Uncouth as ever. Please, round of applause for Suresh Vajani for turning up. Uh, we're going back to the original plan, everybody. This is uh, a live version, as you can tell. Um, yeah, certainly anyone that would like to try some wine from the wine tasting, please. Um, what, why, are you doing some, why are you doing wine tasting on stage? Because uh, you weren't effing here. Okay. We needed to do something. <laughs> um, I thought we could fill the time. Soren and I have a great love of, uh, of, of the, the vino, vino rougeau. Have you told Soren what Fintech Unplugged is all about? So, Fintech Unplugged for the uh, uninitiated in the room, and uh, there probably aren't many of you because we've got at least, I think, we're into double figures. I think we've got 11, uh, 11 regular podcast listeners now to Fintech Unplugged. Uh, we've done nearly 50 podcasts uh, with the great and the good, and Suresh and I hanging in there. And what we try to do is we try to find different ways of getting guests on the podcast. And the reason being is, it's one of those rare podcasts where nothing is scripted, anything can happen. Who do we have We here? have Soren Mortensen, which apparently isn't the correct way to say it. So if you'd like to say it in Swedish for us, because he's Danish. <laughs> Did you just call me Swedish? <laughs> okay. I said you're Danish. Could you, could you pronounce it in the original um, Danish? Soren Mortensen. Yeah. Uh, See, it's easy. It's, uh, it's, uh, yeah, it is easy. Except his wife has been married to him for a while, at least. and 20 she years. 20 years and cannot pronounce his name. She's English. Um, so I don't think I did bad with Mortensen. Um, so Soren. Soren is from IBM. I don't know whether any of you have met him before. Uh, I had the privilege of seeing him on stage um, a few months ago, actually. Uh, and I only realized that when I saw him outside and he was telling me what he did. And I said, I know what you do. I've seen you on stage, um, which was a bit lucky, really. Tell me, wh what do you do? I do, the <laughs> <laughs> I do the vertical for all technologies. So industry vertical. Industry vertical being fintech. Financial, financial ma services. Financial markets. Mar markets even. Across all technologies. Across all technologies. So that fits quite well with fintech unplugged, I'd say. That's, that's technology and finance. I, I think it's, uh, it doesn't make any sense. So it absolutely fits in what we do. Good. Yeah. And let, let's start off by... Um, just talking a little bit about uh, when I saw you on stage, you, you were providing these great scatter graphs, and it was something to do with the data you could pick up using blockchain for, uh, like, delivering a parcel or something. Can you? Yeah, what I was talking about was uh, how financial markets is now getting exposed to other industries uh, building ecosystems uh, on blockchain. Um, so, for example, uh, IBM uh, worked with uh, Maersk, good Danish company, um, to uh, build a blockchain network, which is now called uh, TradeLens. 
uh, that basically monitors all the transaction events in global trade from products being produced, coming out of the factory, being put on the, uh, a truck, driven, uh, put into a container, uh, sailed to somewhere in the world, and then unloaded, and then not a transport, and back over to the client. So like a DHL tracking system? Like a DHL tracking system for global trade, with the exception that now we have signed number two, number four, number five, six, and seven global carriers. You can't in, speak in, in order like two, three, four, five, six, No, seven. I can't. That would be too um, difficult. <laughs> That's the Danish way, by um, the way. So with all of these global carriers and with all the ports, the customs, and everybody involved in global trade, we will have roughly between 50 and 60% of global trade on this uh, network, through the global network. So if you imagine the data that such networks hold, and uh, because whenever you hand over a product from one person to another or a container gets offloaded in, in the port, there's a payment transaction. That could be an FX transaction. That could be a financing transaction. And if banks have all that information, they can basically tailor uh, their services to corporate clients much better now, now, and now much more timely. So, so, so one of the things that I sometimes find we have in the payment space, we have this bubble where we think everybody understands what we do. And, and what we like to sometimes do is actually we like to get feedback from man on the street. We like to actually hear what does the man on the street think what blockchain means? So actually, we asked a few people on the street what they think blockchain was. What do you think they said? Well, uh, it depends on which street. Um, I know. <laughs> Let's say a London street. A London street. Okay. Uh, I was actually going to do a Parisian street because. I don't, uh, I don't mind the variation. No, no, because uh, uh, we, we've seen with uh, one of our clients who's uh, Carrefour, uh, which is a supermarket chain in France, and they have basically gone out and done a marketing campaign around uh, the fact that they're using blockchain right. to, uh, to monitor the provenance of all the goods in their sure. supermarkets. And actually, through that, they have uh, increased their sales by 4% because people now trust uh, the food on the shelves much more than the competition. We asked people on the street. I have no idea what they said. Yeah, we haven't We're going to, to hear what they had to say, what they think blockchain is. Okay. The man on the street. It could be a woman. What do you know about blockchain? Nothing. Never heard of it before. <laughs> what does it sound like it could be useful? Uh, I think it sounds like kind of a series of, um, you know, steps in, a, in a, an industry, whether it be um, a production line, so a chain of events that must happen in a, you know, to get to an end product um, or to get to an end um, destination, whether it be IT or like physical products. Um, yeah, and then potentially a block in it somewhere. <laughs> uh, I think that blockchain is um, a technology of sending money where you can send and receive money. It's very, very smart because it goes through different, different connections where a person is, I think, a host or something. And each host has to transfer, pass, go through the verification to to have the funds. So when it goes through a blockchain of verification, then you know that money is legit. Is that okay? I think so. Now I better go. I've got to serve customer. Uh, well, to me, it sounds like chain smoking, but um, taking a break at five minute intervals. I have heard of blockchain. 
I've heard it used um, mainly within um, Bitcoin, but also starting to be used in reinsurance. It's starting to be used, I think, in cat bo- uh, catastrophe bond contracts to make um, to make them more secure, but also efficient and automatic. Blockchain is, um, I think, my grandson plays on the computer a game where you've got these little block characters and they're building uh, blockchains. The game actually is called something craft. Is it witchcraft or fine craft? I don't know, but that's what I think blockchain is. Okay. The man on the street. It could be a woman. Here's a question. What is kind of... IBM stance when it comes to crypto, right? We talk about blockchain and I, and I get all of that. Um, what's your stance in terms of crypto? Uh, my stance or, or, or the official IBM? It depends how much you've drunk. <laughs> it depends how much I've drunk, yes. Um, I think my personal stand is I don't have a Bitcoin investment. However, a digital asset as a whole, like stablecoin, which you were writing about, yeah. um, I, I see uh, this as an asset which is just going to be another asset within financial markets. But pure crypto is not something that uh, I personally uh, uh, support. Okay, so we do we have a blockchain-related question, so here we are. Um, isn't having banks involved in blockchain a bit like putting the fox in charge of the hen house? But we have to understand uh, uh, the use cases for, for blockchain. Blockchain is, is basically... Uh, just another technology. And certainly banks are exploring how they can leverage this technology to improve the way they conduct business uh, and to make the industry much more efficient. And I would say, certainly having been involved in blockchain for now over uh, three three and a half years, um, I see a lot of the initial use use cases that banks or financial institutions came up with none of them were really blockchain type use cases. Um, Whereas now that the banks are more um, experienced with the technology, you will have better use cases and a higher percentage of use cases that are actually blockchain use cases, as opposed to use cases that can equally be resolved with uh, traditional technology. I think I think one of the, I think that's that's great, but I think the the question was talking about the fact that blockchain was created by this anarchic group called um, what were they called the cy- cyber cyber something cyber blah, blah, blah. Cyber somethings. Anyway, the cyberpunks, I think they were, or something like that. Anyway, and that it was created uh, in order to disintermediate the banking system and the governments from a system of transfer of value. Correct. And so if the banks are now coming in to that space, are they, by coming into that space, basically they're, they're the foxes whilst uh, the, the hens are the anarchists, which is a, it's a, it's a bit of a sort of contradiction in some ways because... Uh, one would have assumed it was the other way around, but uh, so are you? Are you? Are you bringing banks in to basically take blockchain away from the anarchists and bring it back to mainstream? Well, one has to understand why the anarchists actually introduced this technology in the first place. What need uh, uh, did they uh, uh, meet uh, in, in in the market? And I think financial institutions are are now looking at these needs and looking at where blockchain has been used uh, in in public networks and then trying to apply that to a more regulated world. Um, 
also when we start looking at uh, uh, how certain organization wants to use blockchain, one has to remember that uh, within financial markets, we are operating in a regulated environment and you have to adhere to certain regulations. I, I would wholeheartedly agree. Suresh, you, you have something from the so bin I, of confusion. I've got, I've got a bin of confusion question, and um, it's normally anonymous, but obviously when people pass it, you, people know who asked it. Is blockchain dead when quantum computing matures and goes mainstream? <laughs> uh, I, deep question. Deep question. I think these are two different types of uh, uh, technologies. And, and certainly, if I look at the quantum use cases today, they're com fundamentally di uh, different uh, from uh, the blockchain use cases. So blockchain, for me, is about uh, creating new ecosystems, creating new markets, and, and looking at how you can exchange goods uh, and assets much more efficiently. Whereas quantum is addressing different issues that uh, the use cases can be around anti-money laundering, the use cases can be uh, around uh, security, as opposed to sharing data and exchanging assets. So for me, I don't think one will kill off uh, the other. Um, I think these are, uh, are technologies that ultimately will be working together over time. I've got a question here, which is very close to my heart because I'm, I'm a Libran. So Libra claims... I, I, I too am a Libran, by the are way, you? Suresh. That's very sweet. We're, we're both li this is the first time is we've that, done this. Is out. that the only thing we have in common? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we both wear glasses. Okay. Libra claims it can make the world a better place. We is can. It, is it just a load of PR bollocks? And I'm just quoting what's written. Uh, uh, is Facebook in the room? Is uh, Mastercard or Visa in the room? Oh, yes, there. Yeah, yeah. yeah <laughs> we know who wrote it. So that, uh, there we go. Hands up. Um, a Libra uh, member. Anyway, you're 10 million down already. Oops, yes. <laughs> I saw with interest the, uh, the open letter that uh, the US Congress uh, sent to Facebook yesterday. Cease and desist. Uh, well, not quite, but uh, close. I think uh, the interesting uh, piece here is around, upon one, the US Congress understanding what it is that they're dealing with. But I think more importantly, it's around the regulators understanding what they're dealing with uh, when it comes to uh, Libra and other uh, uh, types of currencies. So I think certainly with uh, Facebook's name being all over this, uh, there is gonna be some additional uh, uh, regulatory scrutiny in, in this space. And also we have to understand that Libra will cover so many regulated jurisdictions that you will have to involve a whole myriad of, of, of regulators uh, in this ultimately in order to get approval. So it's going to have its challenges because also uh, how, do you, how do you categorize Libra? Yeah? And in some, uh, some jurisdictions, it's going to be categorized as a cryptocurrency, which means India and I believe China is uh, out of the question. And for both of you, actually, what's your views on stablecoins? I, I, I think stablecoins are a, a way forward. There are far too many coming into the market at the moment. Uh, there are far too many central government, central bank-issued coins coming through as well. And I think the, 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 the question is who is going to form a sort of conduit to, to make all these stable currencies work? And I... My guess is that Libra has come in to try to become the US dollar of the crypto space. So where you have a lot of central bank issued coins, 
they need some central conduit in order to to move through markets because if you're a, if you're a central bank issuing currency into a market you don't want that currency moving from your market because it makes it much more difficult to track so as it moves out you need to then redeem it and move it into a different currency and so i think the ability for a a conduit currency, as you might call it, which I think Libra is looking to become out of uh, Switzerland, uh, is is something that could actually fill that void. I have a question for you related to that, if I may, uh, because if you look at multiple banks, and so let's say, for example, we have multiple banks uh, uh, in in Europe issuing euro-denominated uh, stablecoin. Yeah, who's going to govern all of these in in your mind? I mean, I have well, my ECB. I, is, it would be my view that would have to if it's a euro denominator because they're the ones that issue the euro. They're the ones that have you. You, you can't quantitatively. So, so you the you're ECB. basically saying that it's the central bank uh, that uh, of the uh, of the currency the stablecoin is issued. That at, would have to. Other, have other, to and, it, and it, if stablecoins are issued fiat backed, then then they are they aren't they aren't just coins. They are money. They're, they're 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 real currency. They're not they're not a cryptocurrency. They're mm -hmm. a real currency that just happens to be on the blockchain. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the the real differentiation. And I think the the way in which the market is moving, where you're looking at things like Libra, which is going to be based allegedly on a a basket of maybe coins, maybe currencies, maybe commodities, maybe uh, gold and uh, other metals. Uh, then then your then your question is what what is the sort of backbone of that is is it is it like some sort of collective investment scheme you're investing in mm -hmm. what 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 is it really you're doing is it an investment you're doing now or is it a, a currency you're trying to uh, create yeah interesting okay but coming back to 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 your question uh, we have seen in the early days of, of uh, payments on, on blockchain uh, where we were looking at going in from US dollars into some sort of crypto and then uh, out of uh, crypto into, uh, let's say, uh, euro or, or Australian dollars and what have you. And the banks weren't quite interested in that, given the volatility uh, mm -hmm. of, of, of the crypto. Yeah. So that's why the banks were much more interested in, in, in leveraging uh, uh, stable coins, because you didn't have that volatility. I mean, the, uh, and and therefore you didn't have the ex uh, effects. Ex well, you had much much less of an effects exposure uh, when you, you exchanged uh, uh, the stable coins. Yeah. So, from my perspective, I, I see that going forward as a as a uh, certainly uh, for many banks uh, that I've spoken to in Europe, the way they're looking at it. Yeah, and uh, but the the original tether was uh, was brought into place because. Many crypto exchanges don't exchange back into fiat, especially the unregulated ones. Mm -hmm. So Tether was used by a lot of people that are moving money around the world, potentially illegally, but I'm not saying that, uh, in order to have a, a medium to basically move their currency through so that they could get it into another currency without having to have the volatility of the main coin. So you move it in an exchange that can't, that's unregulated, switch it into Tether, take it out of Tether into an exchange that is regulated, switch it back into maybe Bitcoin, and then come out on fiat on another exchange. And it, so Tether predominantly, allegedly, was used very heavily mm. by the, the criminals and the money launderers. He's yeah. talking from personal experience. <laughs> allegedly. 
let's By the way, Robert, I just want to say that ICO and that stable coin that you launched, I yeah. think it was a really good idea. <laughs> I, I, but I, I think it failed because you called it FU coin. Yeah, I thought the hashtag <laughs> FU coin, uh, obviously nominating for FinTech Unplugged, was, was, a, was a good thing to do. But what is the best example of blockchain working in the real world? I would say for, for me right now is uh, the trade lens, which I mentioned, and the fact that uh, with IBM and Murisk, we have managed to digitalize all the documents and all the step in, in global trade. We, we should talk a little about Avengers, uh, obviously, Thor, the <coughs> Danish, uh, Danish uh, character from the Avengers. Um, do, you, do you liken yourself to Thor in your day-to-day -day work in the blockchain? Well, being Danish and being Viking, uh, it is my god, and I'm wearing his symbol. You have his symbol. Let, let, can the audience see this? Uh, oh, my god. He, he actually the does hammer. have a hammer around his neck. That, that is a sign of a true Viking. <laughs> we're, 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 we are honored to be in the presence <laughs> of a, a god. I think you should do a Viking lift on him afterwards. That, that would be dangerous. That, that, I think they call that a tea junction. I, 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 th <laughs> I think my ancestors did worse uh, to his ancestors. So. <laughs> When will everyone stop linking every other crypto value to Bitcoin? And why do they do this anyway? Well, Bitcoin has had a certain uh, popularity. It's had a lot of buzz. But personally, when I look at who has invested in, in, in Bitcoins, and um, I'm not talking about the few who's made a lot of money, but there has been a lot of new investors going into Bitcoin who have followed the hype, and a lot of them have, have uh, uh, got uh, burned. But from a, from a uh, uh, layman's perspective, you're still looking at Bitcoin as, as uh, you know, the most known. So um, we, 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 are, we are likely to have a new prime minister in, in, in the UK in, in, in the near future. It's a, it's a choice between, is it Gove and Johnson? Who's yeah, the other guy? No. Hunt. Okay, Hunt, Hunt or, or someone else. Anyway, Johnson. Um, <laughs> if, if either of them get in and push for a hard Brexit, how is that going to affect the Danish economy? Oh, that's, that's a very, very easy question. It's going to boom the Danish economy. Yeah? Uh, Copenhagen is preparing itself to be the fintech capital of Europe. You can go to Copenhagen and get, for the first four years, you get capped uh, income tax, and you have all the facilities for fintechs to move into. But Copenhagen cannot, is just I, waiting for that. I cannot buy my car in Copenhagen. Of course you I can. am told that the car tax in Copenhagen is 150% of the value of the car. That is absolutely wrong. It's 183 <laughs> yeah. So who can buy who can buy a car? Is that why everyone cycles in Copenhagen? Yes, and that's healthy. No one can afford a car. It's healthy. Is that why Uber we was banned as well? Well, <laughs> can't comment on why Uber was banned in Copenhagen, but bicycling is, is healthy, and we have separate uh, lanes for bicycles at a separate level. Uh, so it's safe to bike. We're back to Boris again, aren't we? We're back to Boris. Boris brought in the Boris bikes. And, and Boris is, uh, is, is the best friend of, uh, of Suresh here. So anyone who oh hates Boris, dear. go and punch Suresh later. <laughs> Sorry. We're, we're going to get Boris on FinTech Unplugged. We are getting He's Boris He's already on agreed to it. We've got one more question, Robert. We've got one more question. Do you want to just random pick one? Okay. What are the governance challenges of a decentralized system? Nice, simple one to finish with. I was saying before, what, what we are looking at is we are looking at uh, membership-based uh, blockchain networks as opposed to the open 
uh, open one. So it's permissioned. Uh, so it's permissioned, uh, but also you will have a centralized uh, uh, central authority that governs the network. And, and through that, they will know who goes on the network and have oversight over the processes uh, um, on, on the network. And for me, uh, for not only financial markets, but also industry in general, um, that is really the, the way forward, as opposed to having um, a complete open public network without any governance. Um, uh, also on the FinTech Unplugged website, uh, I will be launching my, uh, my second white paper, which is on stable coins, which is relevant to today's topics and uh, very relevant to Libra, if you're interested in reading something that will send you to sleep very, very quickly. Um, so, without more ado, I would like everyone to put their hands together for Soren. Thank you very much for Thank being a willing, uh, a willing victim. And uh, well done, Suresh. All good. Let's get the helicopter out of here. Fintech Unplugged is available for download on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, Overcast and TuneIn. So please subscribe today and remember to give us a five-star rating.